We're continuing on from body 25. So last time we talked about grace and seeing the world, seeing the universe and seeing every moment as a divine gift. Guruji started that verse, Bhauta Karam Likhya Najai. There is so much grace, what can anyone write about it? Vada Data Tilanatamai, such a grand master, such a great provider, doesn't ask anything back for itself. Kete Mange Jod Apar, how many countless warriors are begging? And it talks about Kete Mange Jod Apar, Ketya Ganit Nehivichar. There are so many that they become uncountable. Their counting cannot be contemplated. So Guruji is using this idea of this abundant grace. But then he talks about the people who aren't aware of this grace. Kete kap kar. So many people who are unaware of this grace are squabbling and worrying about unimportant things, these trivial things that we worry about. And by doing so, tutte vikar, they are breaking their connection with vikar, with things that are useless, things that are going to be temporary, things that are not going to go with them. Kete lele mukar so some people continue to consume and enjoy the benefits of these gifts that are being given out to them, but they're ungrateful. Kete murak kahi kai. Uncountable, numerous fools who continue to consume and consume. So Guruji carries on. Not only are there ungrateful people, not only are there people squabbling and breaking their connection, not only are there fools who continue to consume. Guruji says, Ketya dukha pukha sadmar. Ketya means so many that this is happening to. To so many. Dukh, the word comes up in Gurbani is slightly different to Dukh. Gurbani talks about Dukh and Pukh and Sukh and then Guruji talks about Dukh which is very deep sorrow. And here it's a plural word. So many people are in a deep sorrow and deep hunger, Dukh and Pukh. And the hunger isn't necessarily just physical. It's desires, it's being Deeply unfulfilled in life. Ketya dukha pukha sadmar. Constantly being beaten, constantly being challenged in life. So if we were to translate this line, we would say, to so many inflicted with sufferings, with hungers and constant beatings. Ketya dukha pukha sadmar. So some people live a life of constant suffering of poverty. 
Some are well off materially, but still they're struggling. They're still suffering. They're still hungry in life for something. There is a saying that says, I feel sorry for some people who are so poor that all they have is money. I feel sorry for those people who are so poor because all they have is money. And this is starting to challenge our notion of what do we think it means to be rich. So there are people who are materially rich, but still they are. It is as though life is constantly a struggle for them. Life is beating them down. So this is the kind of people being referenced here. Ketia, and there are so many. Ketia, Kayanu. Ketia means Kayanu. To so many who are struggling in life. Guruji says something very interesting here. Ketia dukh pook sadmar e bhi daat teri daatar. E bhi, these even, daat teri, gifts of yours, daatar, o giver. So, I just want to go a little bit into the spelling of some of the words that we see in this second line, e bhi daat teri daatar. The first word that we look at is this word dat. With the sihari, you may be able to guess that the word is a feminine word. And the way we know that it's a feminine word is because in the line we say e bi dat teri, teri dat. We don't say tera dat, it's teri dat. So even though the word for the giver is a masculine word. Datar is a masculine word. We don't say tera because what we're referencing is not the person, not the being, but the gifts. So we say teri dat. So that's the reason why we have a sihari there because it's a feminine word. Interestingly, the word datar, which means giver, should have an ankar underneath it because as we know it's a masculine word there's only one datar it's a singular word but in this line datar is mukta is missing the ankar underneath so we come across the word datar now with two spellings the first is a noun which has an ankar it's the name of something. The second has the same meaning. But one of the other reasons why we take away an ankar, we've talked about the first reason, which is that if you take a singular word, which is supposed to have an ankar at the end, and you want to make it plural, you take the ankar away. But in this particular case, there aren't many providers. Because we've already heard Gura ek dehe bujai sabna jiya ka ek data. There is only one giver of all beings. So we know that this isn't now a plural word. We're not talking about many givers. So what is the reason why this word shouldn't have an ankar? <coughs> when we are talking about someone, 
like a datar, the giver, then we would use this here. So we could say this first version means the giver, the noun. When we are talking to that giver, that's when we take the anchor away. So here we would translate that as O giver. We are talking directly to the giver. So this is how when you read Gurbani, you can tell the difference in the spelling as to how to translate this Bani. If you see in a translation that it says the giver here is giving all these gifts, then they haven't understood these grammatical rules because the giver has to be spelt with an onkar. So here we doesn't have an onkar and we know the word should. We're saying, O oh giver, these even are your gifts. O giver, O provider, I see these as your gifts. In English grammar, we would call this a vocative case. And what it means is when you're talking directly to someone. So an example would be if we take a person called John. If we say, I don't know John, that can have two meanings. Either we're talking about John and we can say, I don't know John. Or we're talking to John, like he's asked us a question and you're saying, John, I don't know. I don't know, John. I don't know the answer to your question. You're talking to John. So that in Gurmukhi has been given two different spellings. So you know very clearly which is being referenced. The first is to reference the noun to say, I don't know a person called John. The second is saying, I don't know John. I'm talking directly to John. Ebi dat teri datar. Now, the other word that I want to bring your attention to is this word e. Let's look at the spelling here again. There are three ways to spell this word. The word that we see in this line is the first example. This is the plural version of this word. So e in normal Punjabi means this. When you have a plural of this word, it means these. These things. So rather than this is your gift. If you see that in your translation that even this is your gift. Then they should be using a different spelling of e. When we say e with a sihari, it means the plural version of this word, these. But you also see e, which means this with an onkar and e without an onkar. Now, certain words in English, Gurmukhi in, in most languages, are linked to another word. This is an example of that word. The word this on its own has no meaning. If I said apple, you know I'm talking about an apple. If I say this, I have to be talking about something. This apple, this chair, this table. And so that is where you have in Gurmukhi two different spellings. Where 
you are referencing a masculine object, you use the masculine version of this word. Where you're referencing a feminine object, then e also takes on. So here, rather than sihari being the feminine version, the mukta is the feminine version. So this referencing feminine objects is spelt without the ankar, and this e referencing masculine objects. Now, we talk about pronunciation. We talked about pronunciation before where we said that there are generally two schools of thought. One is that you pronounce every vowel, every consonant and every sound to make it very clear what you're talking about. So some people who believe in that way would say eho. They would pronounce the onkar. The other school of thought says that the vowels are purely grammatical. They are for you to interpret the Bani, but the word is e. So when you see a vowel at the end of a letter, generally it's for the grammar purposes. So according to that school of thought, all three words would be pronounced exactly the same. E, e, e. But if you were to take the other school of thought, then each one you pronounce the vowel. You pronounce the slight sihari, ehi, eho, and ehe. There's a slight difference in all of them. But in either case, whether you pronounce it or you don't pronounce it, you still have to appreciate what the reasons are for the spellings of these vowels and the spellings of these words. So, let's go back to the meaning of the Shabbat. Ketia dukh pukh sadmar e bi daat teri daatar So many are inflicted with suffering, with deep hungers, with constant beatings. Even these are your gifts, O giver. There are a few ways that we can interpret this line. Either Guruji can be talking about all the lines that he's mentioned so far in the verse. Kete lele mukkarpahe, kete murakahi kahe, ketyan dukpuk sadmar, all of these, ebi da teri datar. That even if we see the world as a constant giving, as a continuous parade of gifts that the universe is giving, then the fools are also a gift to the world. The muraks are also a gift to the world. The selfish are also a gift to the world. They're also something that we have to just appreciate in that same line of thinking that we talked about, where everything is grace. Even the ones suffering they are also a gift to the world. Even suffering and pleasure is all a gift to the world. Because, remember the beginning of this, this line is Bhauta karam likhyana jai. Everything is grace. 
uncountable grace, infinite grace. There is another way to interpret this line, that so many are struggling with suffering, with pain, with hunger, but to the Gurmukh, that the one who is able to see past it, he's able to recognize this as gifts. For the Gurmukh, they remain unaffected by their external circumstances. So the Gursikh sees everything as a gift, even suffering as a gift, even hunger, loss, what we would call beatings in life, where life is beating you down, the Gursik is able to see past it and, and just recognize it for what it is. So that's the other way of interpreting it. The third and most common way of interpreting this line is that suffering and longing are gifts. So not to the Gursik, but to everyone, these are gifts. So remember, the first way of interpreting is that the people affected by these things, they are a gift to the world. The second way of interpreting is that these are situations in the world, but only the Gursik sees them as a gift. The third way is that, in fact, suffering is a gift for everyone. Hunger is a gift for everyone. And this is by, by far the most common interpretation that you will see. So what does Guruji mean by suffering being a gift? The whole world in reality is struggling in one way or another. Everyone is suffering. Guruji says, Nanak Dukhiya Sab Sansar. Nanak says the whole world is Dukhi. Nanak Dukhiya Sab Sansar. Everyone in the world is Dukhi. In one way or another, everyone is struggling. But here Nanak is saying, Ebi Dateri Datar. So the question is, how can suffering and pain in life be a gift? How can we turn hardship, struggles in life into a positive? Let's take this line. Ketya dukapuk sadmar. So many who are inflicted with suffering, hunger and constant beatings, these even are your gifts. Let's look at what's happening in the world today. So many, so many humanitarian crises. Who amongst those victims would say that they're being blessed? So many people being beaten, being tortured, starving, their families being killed. Who amongst them will say that this is a gift? How can suffering be a blessing? So Guruji here is describing a situation of severe struggle in life, pain in life, desperation. You know that feeling when you've lost all hope? of absolute just being completely lost, run out of options, nowhere else to turn to. When all options have been explored, 
when you've gone down every avenue in life, when all the roads have been traveled, when you've approached everyone that you can approach, and when everyone who should have helped you, who could have helped you, has turned their backs on you, then who do you turn to? Where do you go? At this point, even the most staunch atheist might turn around and just put his hands up to the universe and say, if there is a God, now I need you. They may look to the universe for some sort of support or guidance, whether they call that life, universe, God, Mother Nature. At some point, a person may just turn around and say, I don't know what to do anymore in life. Have you ever been so vulnerable in your life, so lost, that all you had left was to turn to prayer? Where you've had just nothing, that's all you've ever known, is that the final option left is to just pray. At that moment, when all you have left is prayer in your life, your heart will reach out for something that it knows your brain has neglected for too long. At this point, there are no thoughts, no theories, no opinions about whether there is a God or there isn't. All your clever ideas have left you. No mind, just pure heart, raw emotion. If you fall at the feet of the universe at that point and you just say, I need you, I need help. Your brain at that point knows nowhere else to go. It knows no one else to turn to. And at that point, when every last avenue has been explored, your brain goes into a mode where all it says is, I need you, I need you, I need you that very deep, desperate calling out for something. In that moment, you have known the struggle of the saints and the greatest meditators in the world. In that moment, you have known what all the Bhagats have gone through. You've known Bhagti. Their very deep longing, their desperate sense of separation, at that moment, Suffering has led you to a point where you begin to feel that sense of separation and longing. When you've gone so deep into prayer, when you've gone so deep into that desperate state of longing, when you find that connection with just something, that holding on to something that your heart has been crying out for, then you will realize that no other worldly possession, no other material distraction, no other physical relation, relationship can fill that void which at that moment your heart is crying out for. It's as though a baby has come back into his mother's arms 
as though the moment when the baby finally gets back to his mother and drinks his mother's milk, at that point you have gone home. There you can finally find your rest, your place of peace. So at that point, no opinions matter. No thoughts, whether of your own or of anyone else's, makes a difference. Now is just pure moment of heart. You've gone home. You finally realize your place within the universe. You finally understand how little control you actually have. You've walked around your whole life thinking that you have an element of control, thinking that you can direct where life is going to take you. But at that moment, you know your place in the universe, in the vastness of it all. And you know your helplessness. You know how powerless you really are. You know your insignificance. And finally, you've gained an understanding that there is something else that's in control here that I just have to reach out to. That one controller, that one that gives, the one that is all-powerful, the life giver. Now you know. You may not be able to feel it, but you know your insignificance and by your insignificance you know that you have no control. Something else is in control. And at that point, where you used to focus on your pain and your suffering and your loss, at that point there can be a switch where you no longer focus on your own personal loss. When you reach so deep into your own insignificance and you realize the greatness of this vast universe, you will realize that your insignificance is what has clouded you all along. Where you focused on your loss, now you focus on what you've gained. From loss and personal struggle, it moves into gain. You've now gained the support of the universe. You've now gained an understanding that there is something else out there, something so valuable. And if this is where you're struggling and your suffering takes you, that is divine grace. If from de depression and suffering and absolute helplessness, you find a moment where you no longer are in control and you surrender your control to something greater than you, far beyond your comprehension, your suffering at that point has turned. You've now gained the support of something. That is divine grace. There, suffering becomes your gift. Pain has become your medicine. Duk has become your daru. And because from your own suffering, you have finally known the divine. E bi dat teri datar. Guruji goes on 
and says band khalasi paane hoye band means to be tied bondage to be tied down khalasi means to be set free paane hoye paana means hukam we talk about guru da paana manna paana means here hukam if we were to translate this line band khalasi paane hoye we say liberation from bondage occurs by divine will liberation from bondage by divine will occurs band khalasi paane hoye and ultimately our suffering we realize has been tying us down our pain our struggle in life remember guruji talked about these countless jodhe that are always fighting in the world the ones that see life as a struggle yeah all of us who wake up every morning and see that life is going to be another difficult day and i have to put on my my brave face and face the world that struggle and suffering is what has tied us down and there is a way to be liberated from that and it is only by divine grace that we can be liberated from that struggle from that suffering or more importantly more importantly from our attachment to our suffering we can be liberated from our attachments to our struggles so guru nanak dev ji is giving something very profoundly different to how we think in life we think in life that if we're struggling financially if we're struggling emotionally that the the way to be free from that struggle is to go from struggle into comfort to move away from hardships lack of money lack of relationships lack of fulfillment we think that the way to fill that void is to fill all the things that we're lacking if we were struggling with a lack of money in our heads we think that a lot of money is the solution that suffering has to be filled by comforts guru nanak dev ji takes a completely different view for how to free yourself from suffering guru ji says that suffering and comforts tie you down when you're suffering you say i am suffering i am sad so you create this ego of the victim and when you're rich and happy and successful you say i am happy i am rich i am successful in both scenarios your attachment to your external is what causes your ego you create an ego saying i am this character i am my scenario i am my circumstances both of them guruji says are a bondage and there's only one way to free yourself from both of the there's only one way that guru nanak recommends that mankind can be free from suffering and that doesn't come from having a comfortable life 
we think that when we finally get all the things that our mind desires that we won't have any worries anymore. But the reality is the rich are also suffering. Depression amongst the millionaires is not something that's uncommon. Because neither the pauper nor the prince has freed himself from his attachments to the world. The poor man is attached to the idea of being rich and the rich man is attached to his riches. So both comforts and difficulties nurture our self-identity. So Guruji says you need to liberate yourself from both. And the way you liberate yourself from both is to accept your place in the universe. That everything is Pāna. Bant Kalasi, Pāne Hoi, Pāna, Hukam. The way the universe is right now is your liberation. Accepting the way the universe is, no matter what story you tell yourself. I'm a, a rich person, I'm a poor person. I'm a rich person who used to be poor. I'm a poor person that wants to be rich, regardless of whatever story is going on. Remember, it's not your story. It's part of this vurikalam, this infinite story, the pen that continues writing. Remember, we've talked about that you are not this character, that behind every character is one actor. The oneness is the actor behind every character. Regardless of the story, your acceptance of hukum as it is right now, no matter what the story is, is your liberation. The natural order. When you say, I am not, everything is you. This is why the very first commandment within the Sikh tradition, give sachyara hoye, give kure tutte pal. How do I get away from falsehood? How do I become truthful? Walk on the path of Hukam, on the will, the divine natural order. Hukam Razai Chalana, Nanak Likhyanal. Guru Nanak Dev Ji's solution to all problems in life, to all spiritual quests, Guru Nanak Dev Ji's solution is Hukam. The way the universe is, if you can accept that, that is liberation. And learning to accept hukam of the oneness is the biggest gift and the greatest message that the Guru can give us. This is also a gift from the Guru. Knowing this is the greatest gift that the Guru has to give us. This is the Guru's greatest teaching, hukam. And this understanding has to be learnt, has to be contemplated, has to be practiced every day and it has to be accepted that whatever is happening in the universe is as it is. And all of these are gifts of the Divine. Band Kalasi Pane Hoi. With Pana, with Hukam, you will be liberated from your bondage. Hor Akhna Sakke Koi. Nothing else is the correct answer. 
Nobody else can give you any other way of liberation. This is not to say that the Sikh way is the right way. Guru Nanak Dev Ji isn't interested in limiting you into a box called the Sikh religion. Guru Nanak Dev Ji is talking to the whole world and saying there is no other freedom, there is no spiritual enlightenment, there is no other liberation that anyone can give you except the message that Guru Nanak is giving the world that says what are you trying to be liberated from? You're only going to try and be liberated from yourself. Are you trying to liberate yourself from your body? From your reincarnation? From your circumstances in life? How do you get out of these things? There's only one way to get out of them and that's to be in them. When you're in them but you're out at the same time. When you're living but you're not living. When you're involved with the universe, but you're detached from the universe. That is acceptance and detachment all wrapped up into one. And Guru says this is called the divine natural order, the way the universe is. If you're poor, that's the way you are. If you're rich, that's the way you are. This is the divine will. Hor akna koi. Any other way cannot be said by anyone. Nobody can give you any other liberation that does not involve acceptance of the divine will. Jeko kaik akhanpai o jane jetya mo kai. Jeko kaik. Jeko. If some kaik here means a very talkative person, a very confident person that, that speaks and is constantly giving you advice. Kaik, somebody who talks a lot. It's almost a derogatory term. A gossip queen, a blabbermouth, a loudmouth. If some intelligent loudmouth tries to give you any other answer, if they try and say that I'll give you liberation and it's got nothing to do with hukam. Only he knows how liberated he really is. He might look liberated to everyone else. But if he's giving you an answer that is separate from this, then only he will be able to tell within himself I can talk about these things, but I don't feel liberated myself. And Guruji refers to this as beatings on the face. That same person who claims to give you liberation is also being beaten in life. This person is also that person who is suffering from the same struggles, from dukh, from puk, from hunger, from suffering, from pain. This person is also doing that, but they'll never tell you. So they within themselves will know that I don't really have the answer. So if we were to translate this line, Jeko Kaiko Akanpai, if some loud mouth were to speak, only they know the wounds on their face. That person may sound convincing, but only Within themselves, do they know how much they're actually struggling and suffering in life? 
And what we find is people are teaching things that are not based on their own experience. So many preachers in the world preaching away only what they've heard from their elders. But very few are teaching from a place of knowing. Guru Nanak Dev Ji says, I know this answer. This is not a theory. Then Guruji goes on, Ape jane ape de. It itself knows, it only itself gives. Ape jane, it knows itself, it knows the truth, the final answer. And ape de, it itself is just continuously giving. Only the oneness knows itself. Guruji has told us this time and time again. And only the oneness is the one that can give. It's the one that keeps giving its grace. Regardless of what people think they know, regardless of what people think they believe, regardless of people if they're religious or atheist, the oneness continues to give, equally and fairly to all. The breath is the same to all. The sun is the same to all. Life, aliveness is the same to all. So, why it does certain things, only it knows. We may look at the world and say, this person has been given a lot and this person seems to be struggling in life. This person seems to be in, being dealt a bad card, a bad, a bad hand. We look at people and we say, this is good, this is rich, this is success, this is failure. But the universe continues to give and it asks no one. It has no one to ask. It gives no decisions. It gives no reasons. And this is what we have to come in line with. This is the pāna that we have to accept, that the universe just does what it does. If we can accept that, we can be free from the suffering that we give ourselves because suffering is ultimately an expectation that we're holding on to. Expectation minus reality is your suffering. The more you expect and the more your expectation deviates from what reality is, that defines your happiness or your sadness. If we can abandon all of our expectations, at every moment we accept what is happening right now. Right at this very moment, the breath comes in. If we can accept that there might not be a breath out, we won't struggle when it stops. If we have an expectation that there has to be a breath coming out, there has to be another breath, there has to be another meal on my plate, there has to be some good around the corner, these are just stories we tell ourselves. If you plan a holiday, you have created an expectation in your head that I, I am going to go on that holiday. For whatever reason, if that doesn't happen, the fact that you don't go on that holiday isn't the struggle. The struggle is the expectation that you had for yourself that I was going to go, I paid so much money, I, that was going to be the trip of a lifetime. That is your struggle, that is your suffering. Guru is saying suffering is in your head. Suffering is not outside. 
What is outside is what is going to happen. But what is inside your head isn't in line with what is going to happen. What is in your head is what you want to happen. And what you want to happen is the cause of your suffering. And you can't know why the universe does what it does. Guru said right at the beginning, Hukmi hovan akar hukam na jai. Hukam creates the universe. The natural order creates creation. But that doesn't mean that you can describe why things happen. Ape jane, ape de, akhe se be ke. But only ke ke. Only very few people will tell you this. Akhe se be. Speak of this do only a few. Akhe se be ke Only a few people will speak of this. Some people have translated that many people speak of this. Keike, lots and lots of people are talking like this. But if we look at Guru Granth Sahib Ji and look at every other example where the word keike has been used, Gurbani has used the word virle keike, rare. So we have to understand that the truth is not many people teach us this. Not many people will tell us this. Not many people live like this. Not many people bring us up and guide us through life to show that this is the best way to live through life. This is why we have a Guru. This is why the Guru is the Saviour. The Guru teaches us this. Ape jane, ape de, akhe sebhe keike, jisnu bakshe sifat sala, onto whom is blessed with sift and salah, with meditation, with praise. See, there might be a few people that talk about these things. There might only be a handful of people that actually teach you about hukam. But even rare are the ones that live this way. Even rare are the ones that actually practice this, that are constantly praising no matter what the scenario. Remember Guru Nanak Dev Ji started this verse by saying He is in a trance of praise. Guruji is just speaking from this ultimate praise. So here Guru clarifies that only few, few people live, may speak of this, but even fewer people live like this. Jisnu bakshe sifat salah. This is not your choice whether you can have sift and salah in your life, whether you can have meditation and bliss in your life, whether you can have acceptance in your life. Jisnu bakshe. This is a gift. To live like this is a gift. This is all part of the verse about grace. Even this is a grace. This is the ultimate grace. To know this knowledge is grace. To live this way is the ultimate grace. Rare are those who talk about it, rare are those who live this way, who integrate this practice into their life. And to those people who've been blessed with this, jisno, to that person who's been blessed with this, Nanak Patshahi Patshah. Nanak says that amongst kings, this is a king. This is the king of all kings. So, look, Guruji has transformed someone 
who is in dukh, pukh, sadmar. Guru says that even externally, if you are in a lot of pain and a lot of suffering, but if you are liberated from attachment to these things, Guru Nanak says that you are the king of all kings. Guru has liberated us from all of our struggles in life and say you will be a king if you can free yourself from your attachments to your struggles. Jisno bakshe sifat salah nanak path shahi path shah From the weak, the Guru transforms you into a king. So, that, so much so that even the greatest known kings and queens, millionaires and billionaires of the world <coughs> will come and fall at your feet because they too are yearning for this freedom. They too are yearning for this sort of liberation. They too want to know that level of bliss that only somebody who follows the Guru's grace manages to achieve. So we'll leave it there for this week. That's the end of the verse. Vaiguru Ji Ka Khalsa, Vaiguru Ji Ki Fateh.